Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. In this podcast, we take a reading from Scripture each day. We look at the background material to that passage and also application for us. Once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Testing 1, 2, 3. Our reading today comes from Psalm chapter 20. Now, it's very important to know the context of this psalm to understand how to read it and how to understand it. And this is a psalm written for the king before he went into battle. So when we read through this psalm, I want you to imagine the king and his soldiers have gone to the temple. They've offered sacrifices. They've been fasting. They've been praying. They're about to go to battle. And so the soldiers, the people here, are saying this to the king. Maybe there's a spokesman from the army that stands up and says these things to the king. And the reason that's really important, we get to verse 4 of our reading. You're going to hear... May he grant your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. Well, for so long, people that just read this psalm, they think, well, this is for everyone. This psalm is about people and God giving you whatever you want, any desire of your heart. And that's not really the truth. Uh, This is about the king and his plans in battle. So this is a royal psalm, and this is about a king taking his soldiers into battle. So as we read that, I want to lay that groundwork first so as we read through it together, okay, you'll think the army is there, the king is there, they're maybe at the temple, they've been fasting, they've been praying, they're about to go to a big battle. And so this will kind of make sense of the psalm as you hear it. Once again, this is Psalm 20, the English Standard Version. May the Lord answer you in your day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt offerings, Selah. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation in the name of your God. Set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven and with the saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. O Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. I can't help when we read that last verse. O Lord, save the king. If you watch the movies of the old English monarchy, God save the king or God save the queen. So I wonder, I didn't research this, but I wonder if that last verse had some influence on the English monarchy and the language they use of God save the queen or God save the king. But as you look at this psalm, of course, it's a royal psalm, and you've got this group of people about to go into battle, and so they're getting prepared, and they're asking God for his help. So there is this sense of entreaty to God to help them, to remember them, to go with them into battle, but also this sense of confidence that God has already answered their prayer. So just a few things to to go through to make note of. The name of the God of Jacob is mentioned in this psalm. And that is a reference to the divine name of God. His revealed name that was revealed back in the burning bush in Exodus 3. The name of Yahweh. So this is the covenant personal name of God. Now there's two names for God used in the Old Testament. Really three. In the Old Testament in the Hebrew you have Elohim which is just a general term for God. And then there is this special name, Yahweh. We think that's how it's pronounced. We're not real real sure. It's called the Tetragrammaton. We know the four consonants of Yahweh, and we kind of fill in the uh, the syllable, or fill in the, um, the vowels in that name. So Yahweh is this 
personal covenantal name of God. And from Zion, the reason Zion is mentioned is that represents the temple. In other words, God's presence will go with them. Maybe the Ark of the Covenant will come from the temple and go with them in the battle. And the people are asking the Lord to remember the sacrifices of the king. And we'll get more to that in just a minute in some application of this psalm. But the sin offerings and burnt offerings. And to fill up, literally in the Hebrew, it's to fill up the king's request. To give the king what he desires to do in this, this battle that's coming up. So we have this idea of God's going to save uh, the king. He's going to save the people in verse 6. And what's interesting about verse 6, you have what's called uh, this concept of the prophetic perfection. The kind of already, you know, God's already in some sense saved the king. So there's this quiet confidence that God is going to do what has been asked. And you have this idea of the king being the anointed one. That's the word Mashiach, where we get the word Messiah. Jesus Christ uh, Jesus Christos. Christos is the Greek word for anointed. That's the translation of Mashiach. So Jesus is the anointed one, Jesus Christ. I joke many times and say it wasn't, you know, Joseph and Mary Christ from Nazareth. It's Jesus Christ is a title given to Jesus. Jesus Mashiach, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the anointed one. So the king is God's anointed. And then we had this idea of people that put their faith and trust in weaponry. You know, there's nothing wrong with having proper weapons to fight battle. That's not what God is saying. But some put their trust in military might. Chariots at that time would be, I don't know how to liken it to today's military, but maybe a lot of tanks uh, in land warfare. Chariots were advanced weaponry, especially in the flat plains, and the Philistines were known to have these kinds of weapons. So God is saying, don't put your faith and trust in these advanced weapons would put your faith and trust in me. And we know Israel had won many victories over uh, superior weaponry you know, because the Philistines many times were uh, better weaponed or, or had better weapons than the Israelites in battle. So they were always at a disadvantage, but they're to put their faith and trust in God. Now, how do we apply a psalm like this to the 21st century that was written to a monarch, you know, a thousand years before Christ going into battle? How does this apply to us today? So there's some things that we can learn specifically from this psalm First of all, the divine name of God. When we look at what that name means, it literally means he will be. God will be all in all. God exists, he's ultimate existence, and he always will be. So there's this idea of trusting in that uh, God is the sustainer. God is the ultimate. God is the all in all for our life. So as we look at this divine name, it's calling us to, to put God at the very center of everything, that our life completely orbits around him and his purposes. And this idea of God's presence, you know, they want the presence to come from Zion. And what's really interesting, when you look at the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant resided, you'd have the Shekinah glory of God hovering there. And so we have the, the presence of God in our life through the Holy Spirit. So we are indwelt by God's presence. So we Every day, go out with God being with us. No matter what we face, what adversities we come in contact with, we know that we have God with us through His Spirit. And this idea of sin and burnt offerings that this king offers up for victory. And we have that in Jesus. First of all, Jesus is our sin offering. He died for us on the cross, so He's the once and for all sacrifice. So we have that dealt with for us. We don't have to go offer sin offerings. But the whole burnt offering was this offering that was offered to the Lord. The animal was cut up into small pieces and was completely burned up on the altar and became a soothing aroma to the Lord. 
Well, for us as Christians, that is our lives. As Romans 12 tells us, that we are to become living sacrifices. And the problem with a living sacrifice is a living sacrifice keeps getting off the altar. So we're called to be living sacrifices. And the Word of God cuts us up, as Hebrews 4 tells us. And it challenges us and challenges every aspect of our life. And what we do in response to God's Word is we offer our entire lives to God. And so in that sense, we're like the whole burnt offering. So Christ is our sin offering. And then our entire life is our whole burnt offering to the Lord. So it's fulfilled in the life of a Christian. Then the desires of your heart. That, that gives people trouble where the psalmist says, May the Lord grant you the desires of your heart. This, this is not uh, like a Western materialistic understanding of all the stuff you want uh, for Christmas or your birthday or you know, the new car that you want. The king's heart is in line with what God wants. We've seen that already. The king trusts in God and not in chariots and not in uh, the weapons of warfare. So this king has his desires in line with what God wants. And that's what the psalmist is getting at. Our desires should be so shaped and changed by scripture and what God wants for us that it, it changes what we want. That we are, when we look at the world, we desire what God wants for this world that we live in. So once again, a fascinating psalm, one you probably heard before, and I hope now it makes a little bit more sense now that you understand the context of this psalm, that it's actually an army and a king about to go into battle. But you know, we go out into our own battles every day. The spiritual warfare that we wage against Satan and the principalities and powers, we can learn something from this psalm, that we need to put our trust in God and not in other things, that our trust is in him and his sustenance daily and that God goes with us, and that our proper response to the cross of Jesus Christ is to offer up our lives as a living sacrifice. Well, I'm thankful you've joined me today on this holiday season and uh, this time of podcast. And tomorrow, we will jump into the book of Colossians. I know we're going to take a detour from the Old Testament for a few days. We're going to be in the book of Colossians. So if you want to read ahead, we'll be in Colossians 1 next, or, or tomorrow, actually. We'll be in Colossians chapter 1. Hope you have a wonderful day and I hope to see you back tomorrow.